Hello, my name is Ben Friedman, host of Ben and Brand See a Movie. And today, you know, we were uh, discussing which movie we should talk about. And it just felt like a wasted opportunity if we did not talk Thor Ragnarok. Uh, today, on when we are recording, it is July 5th, 2022, which means uh, this Thursday, July 7th, Thor Ragnarok is... Uh, sorry, not Thor Ragnarok. Thor Love and Thunder is making its debut in theaters. This is the 29th installment within the MCU. Uh, it is the second film within the MCU directed by Taika. It's the third Taika Waititi film we've talked about on Ben and Brand See a Movie. We're very excited to talk about this. Uh, joining me today is Branson Indelicato. And yeah, so that's why we're doing Thor Ragnarok. In honor of Thor, Love and Thunder, we're going to get our Ragnarok on. Welcome to the show. My name's Ben Friedman, and welcome to Ben and Brand See a Movie. All right. Welcome to Ben and Brand See a Movie, the show where Ben and Brand see movies. Well, Joining sometimes, me... Brand. Yeah, sometimes, Brand. Joining me today, though, is Branson. It's me. I, yeah. Ben let me out of the shadow prison. Um, it's a realm that he created with uh, pure hatred and dark magic, and he lets me out from time to time. Yeah, and I can do. do like I can do grocery... whenever I need to. Like that. back. It's just me, and now it's him. Our audio listeners are going to be quite confused. Yeah, I, that was a purely. Yeah, that was a purely visual bit. Man, we're going to yeah. have to start uh, doing that. Sorry. Uh, yeah, we're going to have to start sorry, getting like listeners. <laughs> well, so I'm glad we mentioned it now because one of the big things we should know is that this show is now on YouTube. We're multi we we're multimedia. This is actually yeah, multimedia now. We are a video platform now as along with our traditional podcasting. So you can watch this if you choose on video on YouTube or you can do it the classic way on audio via Spotify, Apple or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, audio uh, audio is car mode. Please yeah. don't watch this while you're driving. Uh, yes, if please. you're like a passenger, that's okay. But driving, don't. Yeah, we prefer you not to. This is a pretty cool thing, Branson, because we were talking uh, before we came on air. Uh, I have been kind of overwhelmed by the support I've been getting on my YouTube channel right now. I've been getting some help uh, from some of my friends who have been helping me advertise. We've been doing it. I now have a social media presence that is much more stronger, including a TikTok, which has been shockingly successful. So You've thank you to TikTok. everyone. Yeah. Thank oh you to goodness. everyone who's subscribed to my TikTok. I've been doing my reviews. I've been posting clips from the podcast and all that. If you want to follow me, I'm at beniverse.media on TikTok. I just do same kind of content I do on YouTube and all that, just a little bit shorter. And it's been really fun. And I've been connecting with a lot of people. So thank you for all that. YouTube-wise, I'm blown away by the amount of support and views I've been getting recently. You're so getting, I just you've there have been quite a few that have been like solid hundreds. Which is yeah, like I've, a good I've sign. A, You've got a good sell of. I've had of multiple recently that have come close to a thousand, so that's pretty like humbling. And the fact that I'm getting them back to back and not just like one random one in the middle of like February, but the fact mm -hmm. that I'm actually seeing like continued success means the world to me. It's not just so, the weird. Don't look up where everyone was pouncing yeah. on you. So it's guys, like, it's uh, consistent. Everyone's nice. <laughs> 
if you got the second, uh, if you're watching this video or listening, make sure to like and subscribe. It really does help me out. It really does mean the world to me when you do that. Uh, and if you have a comment uh, or anything that you want to leave or leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all of those things always helps me out again. Always appreciate it. With all that housekeeping kind of out of the way, there's a few more notes that I think we should address. Branson, one of the big things when we were discussing this podcast initially was what day do we release the podcast? Yeah. And my idea was Friday because Friday was traditionally the release day for most modern day movies. It was always Friday was the beginning of the week for the box office. Uh, What has happened now is studios now start releasing most of their major films Thursday. Probably around the afternoon. Like starts Friday, but then it's like I'm gonna see Thor. Started as like the midnight release, and then it just became like, all right, now we're releasing it actually at like three on Thursday. Yeah, they still see Friday. I'm seeing Thor: Love and Thunder Thursday evening, and it just like I decided that it didn't make sense to do the show Friday anymore because now I was kind of old news. So we've decided <laughs> to shift the show to Thursday. So Ben and Brancy movie will now air Thursday mornings at 9 a.m. That way you can uh, listen to the review of said movie. And if it relates to the movie that you will be watching that evening, you'll have the opportunity to do that before the movie releases. Yes. So yes, this idea. show will now be airing Thursdays at 9 a.m. And Branson, we're still kind of working out exactly how the scheduling is going to work and how this show is going to morph and change a little bit. Right now, it's pretty comfortable to say that you will be on kind of to spearhead the beginning and end of the months. Mm-hmm. I, somewhere between first and fourth week yes. of the month or first and third whether it's better to like alternate or just like do full on bookends. But yeah, yeah. so it's we're still exact. We're not fully like sold sold on it. I think that's what we're going to be doing for the time being. And then like that's not a hard set rule. So if there's a random movie that he's like, I want to jump in on this one and it's in like middle of the month, he'll jump on on this one. But for right now, the general plan until we get a few things more sorted out is that it's going to be the beginning and end of the month. Uh, for him so he's on obviously beginning of july and he'll be next on most likely end of july to talk about a movie that we'll have to discuss on air because we actually haven't chosen our topic uh of discussion for that week whoops whoopsie uh besides that in my absence besides that even when branson's not on all there will still be a show every thursday uh there will be a variety of ways that we're doing it some of those will involve co-host uh, Chris Harris. I know will be joining us this month. I believe for the film Get Out in uh, honor of uh, Jordan Peele's new film Nope. So he'll be joining me for that episode. I'll also have guests. I've been talking to a multitude of guests who will be appearing throughout the next few months, so they'll jump on occasionally. And then th- semi regularly, I don't want to say often, but I will be occasionally doing the solo podcast where it will just be me. Typically, I don't like doing a full episode breakdown of Ben and Brancia movie if it's just solo. So usually I'll kind of dive into almost like a video essay or audio essay, however you want to deal with that, 
where I'm just talking about some form of specific component. I just did one last week where I'm talking about my 10 favorite films of 2020, 2022 20, 20, so 20. far. Yeah, a lot of 20s. Uh, 2022 so far and my way too early Oscar prediction. So if you want to check that out, check that out on the channel. Uh, that was last week's video. But yeah, that's what we're doing for right now. Again, stuff's going to change. Stuff's going to uh, develop. And we're going to be flexible. so dark. I, I saw think that. A, yeah, a cloud, I think, is <laughs> covering my sun. Dang it. That's like my that's my box light right now, dude. Come on. <laughs> and last thing before we uh, jump in to the discussion of Thor Ragnarok is, like I said, I'm on social media more. I now have a letterbox presence, which is also Beniverse Media. I'm on uh, Twitter. Uh, my handle's here, at Beniverse underscore media. TikTok, I already mentioned, Beniverse.media. On YouTube, I'm trying to engage way more with the comments. So, yeah, I... I always welcome engagement, and I always love hearing from you guys. So, again, if you like this video, don't forget to like and subscribe. And with that all said, Branson, I think it's time to jump into Thor Ragnarok. Yes, my son finally came back. Um, yeah, while you were doing that whole thing, I was, like, trying to <laughs> fix lighting, so we're back. Let's do so, it. Let's do this. So, I already mentioned why we're deciding to do Thor Ragnarok today. Uh, here's some crazy things, Branson. This is the 29th film installment within the MCU. Insane. Uh, I just wanted to know, are you keeping up fairly well with the MCU right now? Or have you fallen off a little bit? I've, I've fallen off a little bit. Um, there, I don't know. It seems post, uh, post end game, the, the Marvel fair has been a bit scattered uh there have been some amazing films i both the spider-man's post endgame have been great uh or no just one no you're just right the one far, far no, from home both. and no way home yeah yeah okay that's what i thought uh both of those have been great uh i enjoyed both of those uh, no way home was fantastic uh i just watched multiverse of madness for the first time oh, what the did other you day because it came out on disney plus I thought it was, I thought it was okay. Uh, it definitely wasn't the best. It wasn't the worst. I'd say it's certainly in the upper half of uh, of Marvel movies. Uh, I thought it was a little strange that Scarlet Witch became the villain so the villain, quickly. Yeah. Retroactive spoiler alert. Um, we already did a spoiler review on this show. Yeah, I'm assuming yeah, if I you're watching so. a Thor Ragnarok review, yeah, uh, you you're pretty kept up. So, exactly. so yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I'm keeping up with it for the most part. Definitely films, I go see all of them. That's mm -hmm. like, I see too many films not to see all the MCU films, and I like these films too much not to. TV's starting to get a little bit more questionable. Yeah, uh, I, that, I, I that was the other thing that I was going to mention. That was the other thing that I was going to mention. I think a lot of people, and you know, Star Wars is starting to get this too, which sucks because I love Marvel and Star Wars. There's, it's starting to feel like almost too much content. So it's like if you miss one thing, you're so behind. So it's like, what's the point? Like it took yeah. me a long time to watch uh, Moon Knight. I still haven't watched Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Wait, did still you finish Moon Knight? Hawkeye. I did finish Moon Knight. What did you think? I th it was definitely trippy. The first episode was great. 
Uh, I love the slow burn mystery. That's why I loved WandaVision uh, so much. I love a slow mystery that kind of builds. Um, and then I thought it was a unique, uh, a unique setting, uh, a unique framing device. Oscar Isaac's mm. great. Uh, he played both Mark Spector and, um, oh, shoot. What's British Stephen Oscar Grant. Isaac's name? Yeah, Stephen Grant. Dr. Stephen Grant. He played two very different characters uh, really well. And there was some interesting... It it went in a totally different direction than most uh, Marvel properties have up, up yeah. until this point. The, t the I... title sequence is like one of my favorites in anything. I love the title sequence. All the animations yeah. and stuff are so cool. But I, I thought, thought I, I thought it was fairly good. I thought you I thought you watched the show for Oscar Isaac. Like he's like <laughs> the best part of the show. He is. And then like I'm still so and we don't have to get into a huge conversation on this now. I'm kind of on the boat that a lot of the TV shows have currently felt like why didn't you just make that a movie? Yeah. And that I, was my thing with Moon Knight. I was like That's what I was thinking as well. It's a little bit too, maybe it would be a little bit too long or a little too weird. And you really have to dive into the backstory of Stephen mm -hmm. Grant and how exactly he becomes who he is. Mm -hmm. But like there was times where watching it where I'm like, this could definitely be a movie. And I think I would almost prefer it because the budget's not fully there for TV still. There's still some wonky effects at times. Mm -hmm. I I but, think a lot of the effects look really awesome. The yeah, the oh yeah, there are some really good amazing. Ones. But some of the fully CG character, I thought uh, that uh, what's the Skullbird guy? I can't remember. Yeah, Conchu, Conchu, Conchu. Yeah, uh, I thought Conchu looked freaking cool. I thought uh, it was a good design. Yeah, yeah, and then the uh, the hippo god goddess. I can't remember what her name is, mm. but some of that looked a little strange, and it's like hard to nail. It gets you know, a little wonky. Look. It's hard to nail the look of of CG animals, especially if they're talking. Uh, but yeah, I for the most part, it looked it looked really really good. Yeah, no, like I said, I I think the interesting thing with the MCU right now is also something that's they can't control, which is just that we are overabundant amount of superhero content uh, daily at our disposal. Uh, this is crazy. I mean. I am currently watching like every week something new within the superhero genre, whether that's, you know, series like Miss Marvel, which I'm trying to keep up with, whether it's like stuff like uh, the I've heard boys, good things which about I am. That. I really like Miss Marvel, but I'm watching the boys every Friday morning, which I'm keeping up with. Then you <laughs> like have a Saturday like, morning cartoon. Yeah. Then you got live action the... and bloody. Uh, then you have like the MCU stuff coming out basically every two to three months, probably about every three months. Then, of course, you randomly get like a DC. Then Sony has their own stuff. Then like there's these other like contingent things that are superhero related, even if they're not the characters you'd like. No, Sandman's going to be coming out on Netflix. Then there's other stuff like Invincible. Then there's the Umbrella Academy. I'm I have an overabundant amount of access to superhero content right now which mm -hmm. is why it's so hard to kind of keep up with everything and i notice the stuff that i keep up with are the ones either from franchises that i'm just gonna watch i'm gonna watch the mcu and dc 
uh, universe, basically, till I'm gone. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are the characters <laughs> that I know the best. But then, like, the other stuff is, like, the more intriguing, interesting ones, the ones that feel a little bit more unique. And talking about unique, it's it's Taika Waititi. This yeah. is a very Taika film, and it's very interesting because we've, like I said, we've talked about Taika before on this podcast. We've talked two films before with Jojo Rabbit and what we do in the shadows. And what those two films and Thor Ragnarok, I think, have in common is they are fully Taika films. They mm-hmm. feel like a Taika film. You can like you can pick apart the moments that are like that is a Taika written dialogue or that is mm-hmm. a Taika Watiti improvisation. That's mm-hmm. what this film has. Uh and yeah, I'm excited to see Thor Love and Thunder. The fact that he wrote Thor Love and Thunder actually gets me more excited for the film, not because I don't exciting. care if it's a good MCU film. I whatever anymore. For me it is kind of whatever. It is like kind of an <laughs> afterthought. Mm-hmm. But if I I'm, I'm getting a new Taika film, who's one of my yeah. favorite directors and creators right now. So I'm more excited for this film as a Taika Watiti film than I am as a superhero film. Mm-hmm. I think something else that has me excited for Love and Thunder, and I, my wife is even excited, and she's... Uh, Isn't I don't she a big say, Taika fan? I don't... I think so. I think she does like Taika Waititi. I mean, I we both love what we do in the shadows. Sorry, I just bumped my mic. We both love uh, what we do in the shadows. It's like our favorite. I think as far as like the MCU, she's not as... I guess into it as I am or to like the certain degree. I don't want to say she's a novice, but I, there's definitely more. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a nice way to say, it. I think I would beat her in a, she's a casual fan. She's a casual fan. Who yeah, doesn't go out of her way to watch kind of negative, but um, I, she likes what she likes in it, but she's not going to be completely kept up with every story. Where I yeah. am, where I know yeah. basically most of the history going on right now in the MCU and where mm-hmm. it falls in the timeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, if if I don't if there's something that I don't quite understand, I will look it up and then like read into it and kind of learn a little bit more. She and then she will ask me and then I'll kind of give her a summary of what I just read. Yeah, uh, yeah. I would I'd beat her in a trivia competition. Yeah, but I, we're both excited for Love and Thunder. I think the fact that Taika took what was... I think Thor's a really cool hero, but his two standalone movies up into Ragnarok were... Varying of, degrees of yeah, success Yeah, varying degrees of quality. They were, they were good to meh. I think Thor yeah. The Dark World is one of the... I think it's the lower weakest tier. I think it's one of the lower tier, if not the lowest, of the MCU and the way that Taika was able to take this established hero and like re-inject some life into his solo adventures uh, was really cool yeah. and made him made him fun. But it wasn't so jarring because at this point he's been with the Avengers. He's been around the likes of Tony Stark and like all these other sassy characters. So he's kind of picked up some of the some of the mannerisms a little bit. He's kind of loosened up. He's no longer the what vile deed is this? Yeah. He's more like, what's your problem, man? Yeah. You know, and we're going to talk kind of about like 
Taika reinvents Thor and basically yes. dictates Thor's arc through Infinity War and Endgame. I mean, yeah. he well, you introduce us a little bit more. It. While you introduce us a bit more, I'm going to open the door because I can hear the cat just begging to be let inside. So we're Sounds going to have a third uh, guest. Sounds good. And I'll start with the film historian now because this is the getting the description of the film over with. So, uh, and apologies if because I am just reading straight from my notes. Thor Ragnarok is the 17th film within the MCU. So this is 12 films ago, which is crazy considering this film was only released in 2017. It released in November of 2017, and the film follows Thor, who learns of a horrible family secret involving his family Odin and a sister he never knew about, Hela, the goddess of death. Having been released from her imprisonment, Hela returns to Asgard to reclaim her kingdom and exact revenge on her family. The film stars Chris Hemsworth, Tom Hiddleston, Idris Elba, and Anthony Hopkins, all reprising their roles from the previous Thor installments. Joining them is Mark Ruffalo, returning as the Hulk, and newcomers Kate Blanchett, Jeff Goldblum, Tessa Thompson, and Carl Urban joining the cast. Uh, this film marks the fifth directorial effort by Taika Waititi. Uh, this is not the first time he and Disney uh, had worked together. He initially had written the script for Moana, but they decided to go a different direction. But so they had interest in working with Taika Waititi for a while. Taika wrote At, the script for Moana? He almost wrote script? the script. The first script, oh, wow. and then it did not get picked up. Uh, what's well, interesting is Taika is a pretty household name now. I think in mm -hmm. terms of like celebrity status, he has definitely a celebrity A-list status. He and Marvel really invents this with this film. Taika's doing the press for this film. Uh, he's out there with Chris Hemsworth. He's out there with Tom Hiddleston, Jeff Goldblum, all that doing the press. Obviously, as well, because he's a character within this film, he is quite literally the director uh, and actor within this film. But right when this film comes out, he's not quite a household name. He is a name amongst really hardcore movie fans. Uh, he had just popped in the scene with Hunt for the Wilder People in 2016, which I think was probably his biggest success. And then What We Do in the Shadows, which What We Do in the Shadows really had a resurgence after Thor Ragnarok. Uh, like all of Taika Waititi's work, you can feel his style of direction, including improv, bright color palettes, and family drama. What's really interesting to note, though, which is something I was found surprising, is Taika did not write Thor Ragnarok. It just feels really? like such a Taika Watiti mm -hmm. film, but it's not. It's actually written by three guys, Eric Pearson, Craig Kyle, and Christopher Yost. All have connections within the MCU. Yost is a screenwriter for Thor The Dark World, Pearson for Captain Carter, Spider-Man Homecoming, and then most recently written Black Widow. And Kyle has been a storyboard writer for Thor Forever. Uh, he's been working in some of the animated stuff before the MCU was around, and he was consulting on the previous two films. This is his first time getting to write uh, within the MCU. So you can feel that. There is an emphasis on having some of the more people who understand Thor uh, joining in with uh, Kyle's uh, inclusion. What I find very interesting is this film, Branson, follows a very typical Watiti story and it unfolds in a very similar narrative fashion to the rest of his films. 
the first act introduces our main character and he exists within the world in his community here the comedy is at its heaviest when we're learning about the character's eccentricities and characteristics making our hero relatable our heroes are almost always within their own way of life this is how they've done it this is how they know it and then something right. happens they have in their, the second they have their modus operandi and then something challenges their their preconception i guess yeah or like their their status quo yeah and in jojo rabbit it's the introduction of the jewish girl what we do in the shadows new roommate thor ragnarok it's the lies of his family's deception to him which Mm -hmm. shapes his worldview uh and yeah and before we end the film historian segment of this I think it is really important to note that Thor Ragnarok debuts on November 3rd, 2017 to strong critical praise. It's both loved by critics and audiences, 93% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes with the average score being a 7.6 out of 10 on uh, Rotten Tomatoes for the audience review. It's at an 87% letterbox has the film at a 3.9 out of five stars. So this is a pretty beloved film from fans and critics. The audience Uh, score is lower than critic score. Wow. Yeah. 89%. The film's budget is $180 million and it ends up grossing $854 million at the box office. It's a huge success. Get ready for this Branson. It's the ninth highest grossing film of 2017. Disney had five of the highest grossing films of that year. Oh, wow. They had at number one, The Last Jedi at $1.3 billion, Beauty and the Beast at $1.27 billion, Spider-Man Homecoming at $880 million, and Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 at number eight at $863 million. And remember, Thor Ragnarok's at $854, so Spider-Man, Guardians, and this film are all very comparable neck to one neck, another. yeah. I'm surprised uh, that Beauty and the Beast was that high. I can't believe Beauty to, and the Beast made like 1.25. That blows my mind. As opposed to three number. Marvel movies, and none of them beat it. Wow. Yeah, that's a crazy number. So they had the number one, the number two, the number six, the number eight, and the number nine that year, which is just wow. a crazy feat. Uh, Hail the Disney overlords. Yeah, and... Two last important notes, and this might be a good way to jump into our film discussion, and and that's context of this film. I was thinking about when this film came out, and there's two really important films that are to come out later at the end of 2017 in the next six weeks, and that's Justice League and Star Wars The Last Jedi. And I think they're both interesting for different reasons. One Justice League debuts two weeks after Thor Ragnarok on November 17th. It ends up grossing $657 million on a $300 million budget. So the film does $600 or six. What'd you say? Six million or 600 million? 657 million. Okay. On a $3 million budget. Okay. Yeah. Rough. Rough for them. Uh, of course, Justice League has so many issues due to the Whedon situation of it all, but I think it's really important because, one, we see a film succeed because Disney has trust in Watiti, and Warner Brothers fails because they don't have trust in Cider. Uh, and then last thing to note is I feel like Thor Ragnarok is the last time everyone kind of universally agreed slash wasn't really fighting about a Disney film. 
the division becomes really strong post the last Jedi. Yeah, I and, we have evidence of that on this very show. Yeah, and like I said, and there's we're talking about simply the disagreement right there. We're not even touching on some of the political wars that the last Jedi encountered, including yeah. the. And we're not talking uh, Senate. We're not talking separatists versus the Republic. Yeah, we're not talking about the fact that terms were thrown around like SJW, Asian propaganda, liberal agenda, woke trolling, all that. All those issues that surrounded The Last Jedi. You and just either like boosted been... or effed your own SEO yeah. right there. Like I said, they come in waves, I feel like, after The, after the Last Jedi. Uh I feel like a lot of the films post The Last Jedi are now going to be embroiled in those discussions, including Black Panther, which comes out two months mm -hmm. after uh, Captain Marvel, which comes out in 2019. Of course, every Star Wars movie post The Last Jedi. It just feels like there is a typical agreement that no longer existed after this film. <laughs> Uh, after the last shit I agree came out. Not saying this is the end all be all rule. Uh, Star Wars: The Force Awakens definitely had some of those issues, and there's always been a division between Marvel versus DC fandom that will never see eye to eye. Uh, Batman versus Superman is again another example of just disagreement overwhelming the internet. But I do think it's important again that another Ragnarok... example that we have on our show. Yeah, but again, Ragnarok just. It has that, but with that all said, I think it's time that we can finally jump into the main meat and potatoes of the show with our film discussion, and we're going to start it off with our Hills to Die On. So Branson, for the Hill to Die On, give me a one-sentence Hill to Die On about Thor Ragnarok. That is your thesis statement for this movie. Uh, I kind of said it already, um, but I'll go. I'll take it a step further. I, Taika Waititi like re-injected life into Thor as a standalone character. And I think also brought a certain energy into, into I think, the regular cast of heroes that was previously relegated to just Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm -hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy, I think, was the more... Uh, like felt a little bit more free to have fun felt a little bit more free to be funny uh or like a little goofy mm. and and taika really i think blurred the line broke down the walls of like no are these other heroes can be goofy funny too yeah and there and that sort of mm -hmm. those more goofy moments of levity show up more after after Ragnarok. I mean, we even get them quite a few times in Endgame. And it's like, this is supposed to be the most serious, dire stakes uh, movie in the MCU thus far. And we still have those sort of goofy moments that aren't, uh, that aren't just funny dialogue. Yeah. Favreau and Robert Downey Jr. set it up at the beginning that the MCU is always going to have an improvisational feel to it, mm -hmm. and especially in its comedy. Gunn kind of reinvents that and takes that further with otter characters. And Thor Ragnarok with Watiti is kind of the perfect blend of those, of the improvisational feel mm -hmm. along with the uh, 
otter character choices and otter not less mainstream feel to comic book films my hill to die on is simply as of recording today july 5th 2022 sorry i keep doing that july 5th 2022 thor ragnarok is the best mcu film today really it's my favorite one okay this is my favorite one that's defensible yeah, I love this film. I love everything it is, and I think it's the most rewatchable MCU film. I can put this film on, and I'm laughing throughout. I think it's the best story. I think it's the best characters. I just think this film has everything, and it's so largely due to Watiti and the cast involved in this film. And that, I think, leads to such a natural uh, trans position to filmmaking strengths about this film. So Branson, I have a handful of filmmaking strengths so we can kind of just go back and forth because I'm sure we're going to have a bunch of the f- the same, but I'll start mm. with one of mine and that's the visuals within Thor Ragnarok. Mm. Mm-hmm. I think the color palette, the trash roll, the Sakaar, the re- realization of Thor's powers in slow motion, specifically the shot jumping of into battle as Led Zeppelin's immigrant song rages on. Mm. All of it just, it's so good. This film is so visually interesting compared to a lot of the other MCU films. Watiti does choose to do a much brighter palette in this film. He His approach has always been find the fun in life. And mm-hmm. you can feel that throughout this film. The visuals are just outstanding. I, there's a lot more of a just bright feeling. I mean, even the Rainbow Bridge, which is in the other Thor films, it just feels more lively and Mm -hmm. everything just feels more alive just due to the color choices. He makes the world feel lived in with just literal lights. Like the fact that this film is so bright is matching with the aesthetic of the screenplay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I don't think the MCU ever got as gray as DC usually looks. DC's definitely got a much more gritty uh, sort of vibe going on with the DC EU. No, mm-hmm. DCU. No, you're right. DCU. DCU. DCEU. Yeah. I think it's um, called Worlds of DC now, but we'll know, we'll we'll know one day what they're doing whatever they gotta figure Um, out their ezra miller situation first yeah they gotta figure out a lot of things dude dc is in a friggin mess right now they got some controversies yeah um but uh the the thor films i feel like both thor and thor the dark world were were very uh overcast uh compared to ragnarok which is just this sunny dare i say electric uh, like feast for the eyes mm. like there's so you could look I feel like with Ragnarok you could pick any given scene or any given uh, frame and have more fun sort of looking at different parts of the scene or different parts of uh, the frame than you could with the previous two Thor films the, the previous two standalone Thor films you know what it is? It's this film embraces the Jack Kirby cover art of the 1960s, 1970 Marvel comics, yeah. where it's essentially like you have to give the reader a reason to pick up that comic book and flip through right. it. 
Exactly. And so there's it's something the just aesthetically pleasing. So like when you see it, you see these Kirby illustrations from the 60s. They're so mm -hmm. bright and lively and they're just so fun to look at. And the art visuals are just something that could only be thought of in the 1960s Kirby acid mind. And that's what mm -hmm. this film fully embraces. It's like, we're, why make a film that you've seen before? Why not push the medium and do something so visually interesting? It also does this because this film's not on Earth. The other Thor films are largely on Earth. This one is like, let's explore the vastness of this world. Yeah, we have galaxies. a huge universe. We have a huge universe here. We yeah, should let's see make some cosmic. of these places. Yeah, yeah. I, that's and something that that's something that always bugs me. Um, I, not only about superhero movies, but any sort of uh, we've got to save the world kind of movies. 80% of the time, the world that is in need of saving is Earth. Or the the world that this story is taking place on is just Earth. And it's like, we've mm. all seen Earth. We have a general idea of what this looks like. And in a, in a franchise that spans, you know, dimensions... Let's see some let's see some interesting stuff, you know? Yeah. No, totally uh, and, and it also and it also you get a a view of of other places aside from Earth that will be affected later on come Infinity War when half the universe gets zapped. Mm. We we know we've seen these other places. We've seen Sakar, we've seen you know the people of of Asgard. We've seen these other places, like all these places that the Guardians of the Galaxy go to, uh, Xandar and uh, nowhere, like all these places, uh, and we can visualize that those places just got snapped too. We, it's not just faceless anymore. It's not just oh, I guess there's only 3.5 billion people left in the world now because we were on earth right yeah it's, no it's a galaxy yeah we lost trillions it, it makes the it makes everything feel so much more alive and that kind of leads me to another point branson of some of my filmmaking strengths with this movie as well i had the integration into the mcu i think is pretty flawless in this movie just mm -hmm. continuing his story arc from ultron adding Bruce Banner into the movies, the jabs at the first Avengers movies with Point Break and Storm Tony Stark's bright, tight jeans. I think that all really works in a really uh, satisfying way. And along mm -hmm. with that, this film also is able to expand it with some great character introductions. Hela, Valkyrie, Korg, and the Grandmaster are arguably four of the most interesting characters the MCU has ever added, and they add them seamlessly within this film. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're literally like four great additions that help make this movie, and they each bring their own unique sensibilities within it. Mm -hmm. I, we haven't seen too much of Christian Bale yet as uh, the God Killer in, yeah, Love, and in Love and Thunder, and yeah, we'll see. We'll see more of him, of course, when the movie comes out. Uh, but Hella, up to this point, is the most memorable villain that Thor mm. has to face, and probably the most menacing. Yeah, because yeah. it, it's shown that she can destroy armies without the need for a, you know, some world killing device. She can spawn swords out of nothing. She, uh, she mows down the entire Asgard army. 
and, and she all she needs Thor. is yeah exactly she she, she breaks the Thor. hammer she yeah. literally breaks the hammer which is like what we know about thor is he has more in here you're taking the cat out real quick so i'll uh, continue with that there yeah it's just such a great reinvention of thor like that scene where hella goes and she breaks the hammer that is the introduction of this is not a typical thor film when she snaps that hammer you're like, who is Thor? And that's what Thor's left reeling with. Who am I and what am I if I am not the, with the hammer? And it's right. the lesson that he has to learn. Like, you're not the god of hammers. You're the god of thunder. And the mm -hmm. hammer is a tool that you use, but it is not your powers. Exactly. And it's such a great realization. So those are a few of my filmmaking strengths. I have a few more. But Branson, do you have any? Because I have, like I said, I have a feeling we're going to have a few of the same. Yeah, I yeah, probably. Uh the I mean the acting or I'm sorry. Uh well, I mean the acting's great too. Yeah. Uh, I have the, the cast as well. Yeah, I the dialogue is is so enjoyable. There there are moments of of seriousness, but everyone kind of talks to each other like real people. Um I the writing for Thor especially, like I mentioned before, is so funny. Uh, he's, he's so much looser now. He's not this rough and tumble, super serious, old timey speaking God. Mm -hmm. Now he, he's still a hero, but he has, he's got a little bit more wit to him where it's like, okay, this is another tool in his toolbox. Uh, his, his interactions, especially when he's on Sakaar are hilarious uh, I love I love how he interacts with Jeff Goldblum's character in the Grandmaster and with Korg and uh, well I guess Meek doesn't really say anything. Uh, his reactions or his interactions with Korg are hilarious. Uh, the way that he is so much more aware of Loki and his schemes is is yeah. just great. Like he's able to turn Loki's Loki's weaknesses on him finally mm -hmm. uh it's it's just enjoyable to see like okay we've actually this is a a different thor a grown thor as opposed to where we saw him last i want to take a second real quick to address one of the beats that you hit with it with uh loki because that's again when i'm talking about the cast and how strong this cast is i think the huge mvps of this film are thor and loki and mm -hmm. that's largely due to just again how they choose to tell this story. I love the scene. It's one of the most important scenes within the MCU and especially within this film because it totally shapes Loki's redemption arc in Infinity War. It's the scene where they're going up the elevator and uh, Loki and Thor are talking and Thor says, Loki, I thought the world of you, uh, but ultimately you are who you are. Mm-hmm. That's such an important scene that just defines this relationship of Thor and Loki. And it's these little moments. Watiti talks about it uh, in the director's commentary. Much of this film, he claims about 80% of this film is improv. You can believe that or you cannot. But what this film is... 80%? You, here's what I do believe. Number. I believe a lot of the scenes were... This is the beats we have to hit. How we get from beat to beat with the dialogue that is kind of up to the actors to hit 
And I mm-hmm. think that feeling comes across because a lot of the conversations feel much more genuine. And with that, also the comedy just feels really organic. Uh, I'm going to just rattle off some great one-liners, Branson. Uh, you can yes, stop me if there's do. some that you like or if there's a few after it that I didn't mention. Uh, the whole Revengers is great. <laughs> Asgard is hysterical. Piss off. Goes. What is this? Yeah. As- what is this? Ass place? Asperg? Asgard. Yeah. Asgard. And then Hulk like real fire is maybe my favorite comedy beat in this uh, film. Uh, actually, my favorite <laughs> comedy beat in this film is, whoa, the hammer pulled you off. Yeah. When he's whoa, talking my about... God, the hammer pulled you off. And then, off the uh, ground. Yeah. And then he's a friend from work. Yeah. Oh. All great lines. I Do you know where that came from? Isn't that an improvisation from Hemsworth? It is an improvisation, but I think um, that he was doing, I think he was visiting like a, a children's hospital. Oh, or yeah. He's building like a St. Jude's and one of the kids yeah. suggests it. Yeah. I, do, I can't remember if it was a Make a Wish kid. Yeah, it was or, a Make a Wish. I did hear about this. It's a Make a Wish and kid. And the kid that he met, I saw him talking about it on like Jimmy Kimmel or something. And he mentioned that a kid. He was telling him about Ragnarok and the kid mentioned that you should say, oh, he's a friend from work. And they did that. I'm like, oh, that's so that's such a great that's such a funny line. And it is because it also you get uh, Hiddleston to react to it. Where Hiddleston's like Hiddleston's terrified, like, look, I need to get exact for a second. He realizes it's the Hulk Mm -hmm. is fantastic. Like I said, the comedy beats are just so perfect in this film and then uh do you have any more because i have one more filmmaking strength i the i mean the hammer pulled you off is such a funny is such a funny interjection the hammer pulled you off (laughs) oh my god the hammer pulled you off the ground pulled me off the ground so it sounds like you had an intimate relationship with your hammer and losing the hammer (laughs) was like losing a loved one akin to losing a loved one Yes, uh, the tedious hysterical is core. I the the first or one of the earlier scenes with the Doctor Strange cameo uh, was really enjoyable. Where it's like the Thor is in this totally like this is a totally different kind of magic that he is not used to. So he's just getting jerked around this whole this whole like mystical house, mm. uh, and then the appearance of Loki and. He threatens Doctor Strange. Well, sorcerer, mm. let me show you real man. Okay, you're done. Bye bye. And then he just throws like shadow casts him back into some like a totally different plane. Mm. It's so good. So the last strength that I do want to address is the exploration of Asgard's history. This is sneakily what makes this film so interesting. Yeah, This film explores the evils of imperialism and how it is impossible for an empire expanding to be altruistically good. Like, right. that's what, at the center of this film, that's what this yeah, film is the, about. It's that idea of revisionist history, right? Where it's, yeah. the victor writes the history books, and it's like you're you're building these these golden castles on, like, the bodies of these worlds and these realms that you've massacred and sure now there are these you know garden parties and and you know drinks are flowing and peace treaties exist now but 
you had to become big enough to do that. Right, exactly. It's, it's the fact that Osgard's history is built upon these lies and bloodshed, conquest, and cruelty. That, mm-hmm. like I said, when we're talking about reinvention, that completely changes Thor's worldview. Because mm-hmm. he did think Asgard was altruistically good. And then learning who his father is, it's something that he has to uh, deal with. And then mm-hmm. learning, of course, of the existence of a sister who's a blood-murdering warrior. She yeah. will kill for kill's sake. Mm-hmm. She does it's not shed away from bloodshed. Yeah, it's interesting, too, how she is sort of the mirror of Odin in a way mm-hmm. where it's Odin Odin, and Hela at one point were these imperialists, like, we're going to conquer everything and unify everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Hela is sort of this diverging path, this fork in the road, where Odin is like, I we've we've overextended. We have like, we have gone too far, mm. and he probably saw the extreme version of himself in Hela and realized, oh my gosh, like he finally had the mirror turned on himself. So that idea of Odin being the one that's holding her back uh, makes a lot of sense. It's like, hey, what we're doing is wrong. It's like, no, you're just too weak to fully see this through. Yeah, uh, and I, it's, I it's the secret that he idea. chooses to yeah. hide. Uh, right. It's like, I, I want to distance myself as much as I can from this past. And he's like, tried, yeah. he's tried to like unify, he's tried to make amends, but there's still that guilt. And that guilt exists in the form of Hela. She it makes is, this, she yeah, is sorry. The, like a real artifact of this is where I went wrong. I can point to this. I can point to your sister and be like, that was, that's a, that's symbol. That's symbolic of my mistakes. It makes this film so much more interesting that they're willing to like dive into the fact that like an empire is built on these foundations and addressing the foundations really does just move the characters forward in a really interesting way because it not only shapes Thor, it shapes Loki just as much. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I love this all. Yeah, it uh, it adds more context to why Loki kind of exists within this world. He was a result of, you know, maybe the first little cracks in Odin's uh, facade of like, I conquered uh Jotunheim. Yeah, he this sees is one thing that I can make the right choice with. He sees Odin more for who he is because mm-hmm. Loki and Odin's relationship is much more strained than Thor's and Odin's. Mm-hmm. Uh let's just talk about elements that either didn't age well or just don't work particularly in the film. I don't have a ton. I'll have two and if you have any more you can add it on to it. The CGI of the grassy field when Thor, Loki, and Odin are talking for the first time right before Hela appears. It's clearly a reshot. It's clearly green screen. Uh, Watiti admits it himself in the director's commentary that this is shot in a backlot in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm. So it's like, that's one scene that I'm just like, why couldn't you just go to a grassy field? It's the sometimes the them choosing to just keep it a little bit cheaper and just shooting on like their back lot than right. for actually just like going out and just shooting it. It's like, 
come on, you could have done that and would have made it just like feel a little bit more alive. That's such a small nitpick. My only real complaint with this film is the comedic beat that follows the destruction of Asgard. Now, it's a very funny line. It is. The damage yes. is not too bad. As long as the foundations are still strong, we can rebuild this place. It will become a haven for all people and aliens of the universe. Asgard blows up. Now nah, those foundations are gone. Sorry. Hysterical line. Mm -hmm. Hysterical line. In a vacuum. Line. Yeah, in a vacuum. It's very funny. In the actual moment, it does take away from the weight of Asgard being destroyed. Yeah, it, yeah, it takes the piss out of it a little bit. And yeah. I know the the greater point of that is like Asgard is the people, you know, it's the whole idea of like a church isn't the building. It's the people in the church, mm -hmm. you know, it's the, it's the same idea, but, and, yeah. and that's just kind of a piss take on that. It's one. Yeah, I agree. That's a little, far. yeah, that's yeah. I, I think now that you've mentioned, that's really the only nitpick that I can think of. Okay, so we're kind I, of on the I don't same think room. I don't think there's much that I didn't enjoy that I didn't enjoy or didn't think or or there wasn't much that I think oh this this kind of takes me out of the f the film a little bit or this didn't age that well or you know what's the deal with this thing Yeah so, uh, Branson, uh, we're at 55 minutes, so we're going to try going fairly quick through these next few categories because we have a few more categories to hit. Mount Rushmore. You haven't gone to do this yet, so I'll explain this. Yeah, Mount Rushmore is obviously, bit. there's the four people on Mount Rushmore. Who gets on to Mount Rushmore? This is kind of the idea of like, uh, what elements of the film would make it on to Mount Rushmore if Mount Rushmore was tailored to like encompass films like this? Okay. So I think I I'll ex I'll explain it, and I think it will yeah. get easier. Is this is Thor Ragnarok on the MCU Mount Rushmore of best films? The candidates could include gotcha. Iron Man, The Avengers, Endgame, Guardians of the Galaxy, Winter Soldier, Spider Man No Way Home, Black Panther, all of this. So let's just kind of break it down real quick. Hmm. I think on the Mount Rushmore, it's kind of impossible to not put the first Iron Man on there. It's what starts yeah. it all. It's the George Washington. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the founding. I, the mark. I would be in the belief that we shouldn't have multiple Avenger films on there. Mm -hmm. So I would personally vote for Endgame. Agree to be the one. Either the Infinity War or Endgame. Yeah, the interesting thing is you could totally easily make an argument that the Avengers deserves to be on there. The first one, just solely for how it's shaped basically studios for the next 10 years of craving their own cinematic universe. Yeah, huge paradigm shift as but far like, as merging your properties. But yeah, Endgame for me feels more like the end point of what everything they were building up to in the Avengers, even with the cinematic universe. So we have two spots already taken with Iron Man and the Avengers. On that list, and this is, like I said, just a few of the ones I thought could be on it. There's other ones you could argue should be on it. It would be hard to argue Black Panther doesn't deserve to be on that list. It's the only one that's been Oscar nominated. It's probably like one of the most important films to be made in the 21st century, especially for the African-American community. Mm -hmm. Like, I, it'd be hard for me not to put it on there. But regardless, so without like trying to figure out our Rushmore, 
do you think Thor Ragnarok could be the case for either the third or fourth spot? And remembering the fact that you have Guardians of the Galaxy, The Winter Soldier, Spider-Man No Way Home, Black Panther, and all the other MCU films that could be in contention like Shang-Chi, uh, Civil War, Spider-Man, yeah. any of the Spider-Mans. Man, that's a heck of a that's a heck of a question. Yeah, I instinct think... is it yes or no? No. Okay. I don't think so. I well, I love this movie and it's one of my personal favorites. It's definitely top three for me as far as um favorite Marvel movies. Uh but um I don't I don't think that you could have a this MCU without, yeah. Mount Rushmore without Spider Man. It and would be while, hard. <laughs> while while Tom Holland's Spider Man is not the first cinema Spider-Man that we got. Um, I There's no denying how important Spider-Man is to Marvel as a whole. I mean, Spider-Man is one of the most recognizable superheroes ever. I mean, when I think yeah. superheroes, the first three I think of are Superman, Spider-Man, and Batman. Yeah, and we don't have to go into depth on each one because I have four of these Mount Rushmores. Mm -hmm. But so I will say for oh, you me, have I four also four Mount Rushmore. Oh my yeah, goodness! Yeah, I have I have uh, another one. Uh, okay, I would put Guardians in the fourth spot. I think mine's would be the Avengers, okay. Iron Man, Black Panther, Guardians, because it feels like Thor cannot be a movie without Guardians. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, yeah. Spider Man could easily make it on. I think uh, uh, I think I would go Iron Man, the first Iron Man. Uh, I think if it's got to be an Avengers movie, I would say Endgame would be the best agree, one because yeah. it's representative of Endgame all is the, the end constituent game parts. Right, exactly. The first and the, you have the first and the last, the Iron Man and the well, they, yeah, first they, made, not first chronologically. Um, everything builds up to Endgame. Mm -hmm. I would it be too strange to do captain america he is the the first you, chronologically the first avenger you could i would never choose the first avenger to make it onto my list but i i could could see that the winter soldier or civil war could be deserving mm -hmm. on, but, on uh, merit i think and then and then uh i think no way home would be yeah the, no way home spider-man to do because not only is that tom holland spider-man but it's it gets to reunite the rest yeah it represents all the other spider-men Okay, well. so let's do this a little bit more yes and no for the next that's three. A, that's a really <laughs> tough question, man. <laughs> You're going to really like this next one. All right. Hit me. Is Thor Ragnarok on the Mount Rushmore of best celebrity cameos in a movie? With this celebrity cameo being specifically, I'm referring to Matt Damon appearing as Loki. One, for having double meaning for playing a guy named Loki in Kevin Smith's Dogma. Two, for being just Kevin. Or two, for just being... Uh, Matt Damon in a film. Some of the other contenders include Bill Murray in Zombieland, Tom Cruise in Tropic Thunder, Bob Barker and Happy Gilmore, David Bowie and Zoolander, Stan Lee in every MCU project. Wait, when David did Matt Hasselhoff. Damon show up in Ragnarok? He's Loki. The play? Oh, oh, yeah, duh. Yeah. yeah. I was like, and then I thought you were talking about a scene where actual Loki is like disguising himself. Okay. Yeah. So we don't have to do the Mount Rushmore instinct. Do you think that Matt Damon's cameo would be on a Mount Rushmore of celebrity no. cameos? No. Okay. No. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, you already have David Hasselhoff, Bob Barker, and Bill Murray 
kind of like to me kind of seem insensible. So that's Bill Murray and what? Bill Murray and Zombieland. Okay, <laughs> I was hoping that that was the one that you chose. His all right. It, that's uh, one of my favorite cameos in anything. I think it's probably the. I think that's the Washington. Yeah, and like Stan Lee has to be on there too for cameos for just oh, his career, of course. So yeah, I stand... yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree that there's no way. So in a way, Ragnarok kind of gets an honorary mention because you're Stan right. It kind of does get the honor. so yeah. many. Good point. His cameo in this one is is particularly funny. Okay, two more cameos, or two more Mount Rushmores. Is this movie on the Mount Rushmore of best third installments within a franchise? Uh, contenders could include Return of the Jedi, Return of the King, Spider-Man No Way Home, The Last Crusade, Born Ultimatum, Toy Story 3, Prisoner of Azkaban, Goldfinger, Christmas Vacation. So Instinct, is this the best third installment within a franchise worthy of Mount Rushmore? I think this is going to be one of my first uh, sort of risky moves, but I'm going to say yes. Okay. I'm going to say because, no. Because, strictly because it is the best of, of its trilogy. I would agree. I would totally by, agree. With I that. would say by a large margin. I, to me, you already have two spots taken up with Return of the Jedi and Return of the King. Like, yeah. those. And then, like, Indiana mm, Jones in The Last Crusade could make that argument for me. So I'm on the fence of, like, it could. I don't know if I could push it to Mount Rushmore. Yeah, but maybe not. You, you have the argument. You definitely have the argument to make it on there. Uh, last one for Mount Rushmore. Okay. Is Thor Ragnarok on a Mount Rushmore of characters getting their hair cut dramatically? <laughs> Uh, contenders <laughs> include uh, <laughs> Anne Hathaway in Lay Miz. In Lay Miz, I dreamed the dream. <laughs> right. Coming right. to America, where Eddie Murphy goes to the barber shop for the first time to get a haircut in America. The full metal, full metal jacket, basic training sequence at the beginning of Full Metal Jacket. Uh, Richie Tenenbaum in Royal Tenenbaums, and of course Mulan. So those are just some of the contenders. So instinctively, do you believe that this film makes the Mount Rushmore of characters getting their haircuts dramatically on camera? (laughs) Uh, yeah, yeah. I think you could. I think you could. It's a pretty good reinvention. I think so. And the reveal of it is awesome. I think if I had to just do my Mount Rushmore real quick for it, you have to have Mulan. Yeah, Mulan's, Mulan Mulan's has to be definitely it. out there. I think you have to give Richie Tenenbaum and Royal Tenenbaums in it for the scene before he gets commit suicide. That's a pretty shocking scene. Mm-hmm. I think I'd have to put Fatine, Fantine in Les Mis. I think it's just Fatine, right? Fatine? I think so. I think, I think in Les Mis, I have to give it. And the fourth one, I'm willing to concede Thor Ragnarok makes the fourth. Yeah, I total, totally agreed. I would have uh, done it in the exact same order. If there is any that I forgot, uh, please let me know in the comments if there's any Mount Rushmore's you would want to suggest or if there's other arguments you would have against our rulings, please feel free to it. But that's the I Mount Rushmore. Branson, do you that's like that segment? Fun, I really like game. that segment. I love that. That so is Chris really and I, funny. The reason we like it, Bedded it was Chris and I were trying to do this thing where it's like, let's kind of do like the talking of the movie, like fun, kind of like the sports, like, is this person like a Hall of Famer, all that? And right. we're like, let's do it with Rushmore. So he and I came up with that That's and we really funny. like it. 
Uh, I'll give you another one that's basketball related. This is called the Nemanja Bielitsa effort. We deserve it. Guy in the movie. Uh, the effort. We... Wait. Yeah, let me explain this. Speaking explain... tongues. What the hell did you just let say? Let me explain it. Nemanja Bielitsa was a character. Was a person on the Sacramento Kings team who okay. famously hit a shot to win the game. I think it was against the Dallas Mavericks or maybe it was the Houston Rockets. And in his post-game interview, remember, he's a bench player. He ends up going crazy. I think he scores like 35 points. And he says, F it, we deserve it. So who is the F it, we deserve it guy in this movie? And I have one guy who I think deserves it. This is this award goes out to the actor or actress who isn't just one of the big stars in the movie. Rather, they just get a few moments to come in and steal the movie for their respective scenes. For me, that's Carl Urban. Oh, as, really? Uh, Scourge. Okay. Uh huh. I think Scourge, like to me, is like he has some of the funniest lines in the movie. Behold my stuff, Des Texas. Yeah. The shake weight, which, by the way, that's actually Taika Waititi's shake weight that he bought <laughs> in preparation for his role in Green Lantern. That is a that's true awesome. fact. Uh, <laughs> do you do you agree? Do you agree that this is the guy, or do you have another nominee? I got a different nominee. I'm you surprised you didn't. I I'm surprised you didn't choose Goldblum. I almost thought Goldblum was a little too integral to choose it. Like I thought I, he was maybe. in the film a bit too much, but I could concede that he could be on it. I it's it's because he's such he is such a unique presence. No matter where he is, I you can't you can't help but be just sucked into his odd mannerisms his weird sense of humor just yeah. the way that he just his little uh, moves and just the way that he comes up with the next thing to say and like you can never tell if he's if he's improving or just sticking to the script he, he's just he's an enigma of a man and it takes an enigma of a man to play the a character like the grandmaster you're who right. Is this, an enigma. It's like the, who is this guy? Intro, the introduction scene of him talking about, uh, like I'm, uh, however million years old, and he just does that smile. Like yeah, that, here on Sakar. Yeah, just this weird, like, like <laughs> grimace. It's so great. You're right. He could easily <laughs> get it. I think Carl Urban yeah. and Goldblum are just great additions in the films. I, Carl uh, Urban's somehow, a good. I, that's a good um, second place for me. Yeah, uh, I'm going to somehow land this ship before we get to the great debate in about 10 minutes. So let's see if I can do this successfully. Okay. Uh, let's do this category real quick. This is the 19. Uh, this is the recasting. So we're going 1980s, 1990s. Ooh, I have okay. three nominees real quick. Do you have your okay. list? Oh, boy. Um, I will let. I'm going to let you go first. Okay. Just so Tell I me get an idea of how you want to structure this. I only did three. I did Thor, okay. Loki, and Hela. Okay. Uh, Thor, recasting from the 80s and the 90s. 80s, 90s, yeah. That like okay. 10, 15 period range. I did Hela as Dame Helen Mirren. I felt she just hit the class that this film would do it. She's right about the right age. I don't love my Loki pick, but I did Ben Kingsley. He's okay. like coming off Gandhi. I think he could kind of do that sarcastic dialogue of a loki and then thor i think there's only one correct choice that they would have picked in the 1980s and the 1990s they would have just done mel gibson <laughs> it would have been mel australian kind of has the look 
can kind of okay. do the drunken belligerent, like over the top charismatic vibe to him. Those were my oh. picks. What do you have? Oh boy. Um, I, for Thor, uh, my first thought would be something like a, like a, almost like a Dolph Lundgren, but I know it's that he was, thing. I, I mean, that would be hilarious for Hulk because he was Hulk, mm. you know, in, in one of the original. No, no, that's that Luke right? no. no. Oh yeah. You're Dolph right. Lundgren was the Punisher. Yes. Okay. That's what it was. Yeah, I I mean Lou Ferrigno would be hilarious as the Hulk. So then, okay, I I'm I feel good about Dolph Lundgren uh, as uh, as Thor, uh, as Loki. Hmm. Loki, Loki, Loki. Oh, that's a tough one. I you said you said who again? Mel I said Gibson? Ben Kingsley. Oh, Ben Loki. Kingsley. Yeah, Mel Gibson was Thor. You said. Um. Hmm. I don't know. I Tom Hiddleston is such a great fit for Loki. I don't know if yeah, I could. I, I had I trouble. Kingsley was the hard or Loki was the hardest one for me to guess. That's really tough. Um Hella, I think Helen Mirren is is a pretty good I think good, she's kind of a perfect choice. That's a pretty good choice. Hmm. I'm, okay. I'm looking at I'm looking at a, a list of of actors and actresses just trying to get an idea. Uh, maybe Meryl Streep. Uh, she's American, which is why I didn't choose her. I wanted oh. the accent to come a little natural. Oh, I see. Okay, but yeah, because I, I thought of her, but that's why I didn't end up choosing her. So those are our recasting choices for the yeah. 1980s typically it's called the 2022 recasting however with this film being released in 2017 i'm like the casting really wouldn't change yeah uh I, let's tom go Hiddleston, tom hiddleston's such a tough one i don't know i there's i can't think of one that would be like an equivalent or better fit than yeah him. we He's have two more cast. categories before the hills die on so uh second to last category best scene i have a few nominations i have thor god of hammers which is the scene from thor jumping onto the rainbow bridge to the tune of immigrant song yes i think that, that scene can easily awesome. get uh i love the get help scene get help my brother yes <laughs> it's a great uh just beat and a good story moment thor versus hulk you have to put in there i think and uh, you are now meeting the Grandmaster. Those would be my nominations. Are there any I'm missing, Branson? Uh, you are now meeting the Grandmaster is great. Uh, the Thor versus Hulk fight in the arena is awesome. It's the first bit that we see of Hulk, or of, I'm sorry, of Thor, like, becoming the God of Thunder and not just the God of Hammers. Uh, I love a good heist. So the whole thing of them flying the ships, I, that's just pure yeah, that's bias. That doesn't do anything yeah. crazy special, but I love, I love a heist and I love seeing cool alien ships. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I, everything with Heimdall. Cause I, I love Heimdall. Yeah. Uh, he's a good character. He's like, to me, the least interesting part of this movie but he's the. It's also the best Idris Elba has been as Heimdall. He gets the most yeah. to do in this. Yeah, Idris Elba's cool. I love. I love seeing him destroy the armies of the dead. I don't know. I think you. I think you got 
a bunch of the big ones. I the yeah, yeah the Are You the God of Hammers is a great. I think is a I great think that's final. the scene in the movie. Yeah, like I think that's the scene. Uh, the last category potential. Last category is something called movie pairings, which I decided to wanted to do because you know I find myself after watching a movie. I end up like, well, what are other movies like that that I want to watch? Mm-hmm. Or if like I'm in that mood for this movie. So I'll give quick three quick ones. One of them I'll expand upon. If you like uh, Taika Waititi's comedic sensibilities, what we do in the shadows is just a pure oh. comedy by Taika Waititi. It yeah, is really nothing cool. but a comedy. It's his funniest film by far. Uh, if you like quirky offbeat superhero films, I think the Lego Batman movie does a great job of just being really funny Ooh. with a great comedic cast and plenty of laughs to be had while also having some of the heart that Thor Ragnarok has. And my last one, I don't know if you've heard of this movie, Branson. Uh, and I have my little spiel on this one. This is going to be a little bit of an oddball choice, but I, like I said, one of my favorite aspects of Thor Ragnarok is that it deals with the evils of imperialism and the recontextualization of one's history. And in doing so redefining what you stand for. Mm -hmm. And there was a film I just recently saw on Netflix called RRR. Have you heard of it? Uh, is that the the Bollywood film? Hollywood film. RRR? It's, yeah, it stands for Rise, Roar, Revolt. It's a Hollywood production directed yeah, t- by yeah. SS Rajamoli. Did uh, you see did you learn about this from um Corridor Crew? No, I had heard that's, about that's this. That's why I while, I do know about this movie about. and that's the reason why I know about it. Yeah, I had heard about this movie being buzzed about in april or may and it eventually came out to netflix uh in may and for those who don't know what we're talking about this film stands for rise war revolt it is a tollywood film and it tells the fictitious story of two real life indian revolutionaries and their battles against the british raj in the 1920s rrr is a three-hour epic that is beautifully directed well acted and features a ton of over-the-top action it is heavily anti-imperialist in its presentation uh, it's often quite symbolic. Our protagonists are folk heroes, thus their deeds are greatly exaggerated. It is not concerned with telling the story of the real-life figures. Rather, through them, RRR tells the story of a country and its people fighting against oppression. Uh, I think a, it hits actually a, a lot of, of the movie. same... Yeah, it hits a lot of the same themes as Thor Ragnarok, and its visual style is actually pretty comparable, and the action is just the right amount of superhero like over-the-top feel that I think mm. it's very welcoming to new audiences who aren't particularly familiar with uh, Hollywood productions. Uh, Branson, we gotta check it out at some point. That's a movie yeah. we gotta talk about at some that point. That would be interesting. So those are my recommendations. Branson, do you have any movie pairings? Mm. Yeah. Um, if you like the sort of colorful uh, space adventure um, guardians of the galaxy is mm. great. Both volume one and volume two. I would lean towards volume one. Yeah. I'm not the biggest uh, fan both, of volume two. Yeah. But both are, both are great. I enjoy both of them. Uh, just l- colorful, uh, unique, unique setting. Um Lots of fun to be had, uh, lots of hilarious moments, good action, uh, really cool sci-fi weaponry and stuff like that. Uh, what We Do in the Shadows is a great example of that sort of uh, comedic styling 
of, of yeah, Taika. Yeah, it's a very Taika film. <laughs> yeah, like you said. Uh, and then a third one. Ooh. Yeah, you don't have to have three if you don't. But oh, I just have okay. Three. <laughs> yeah, I, those are the those are the two that I could I could really think of. Then with that, if I, if I think of another one, I'll shout it out. <laughs> yeah. With that said, that's our discussion on Thor Ragnarok. Do you have any last thoughts on the movie before we jump over to the great debate? I don't think so. Other than my camera is running low on battery, so if I cut out then, at any time, sorry. Then let's do this, ladies and gentlemen. Branson, are you ready? Yes. Welcome to, Welcome to the, the Great Debate. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Great Debate. You know how this works. I have a question for Branson. Branson has a question for me. This is how we cap off the show. With that all said, Branson, I'll go first with my question. Which three actors would you want to see in a Taika Waititi superhero movie? Doesn't have to be Thor. It just has to be a Taika Waititi superhero film. Taika Waititi superhero movie. I pre-existing IP or new? Doesn't matter. Just three actors. Three actors or actresses. Um, I mean, we've seen him as a superhero before. Uh, but I think Taika and Nicolas Cage would be a really interesting mashup. Good I'd pick. love to I see how they would. Pick. I'd love to see how they. Uh, work together. Um, my first thought was, oh Reynolds? no, okay. Uh, I was gonna say Reynolds, but I'm gonna go with a different Ryan. I'm gonna say Ryan Gosling. Good pick. He good has... pick after the nice guys. Yes, that's exactly yeah, what pick. I was thinking. I I love him in that. Uh, it shows that he can be funny, and Reynolds. I think it would be. I think Reynolds and Taika. They were well, in I, Free Guy together. Both in Free Guy together. And Free I enjoyed Free Guy a lot. Uh, Taika didn't direct that one. Um, no, he did not. I don't think he was a writer either on that one. No, he was just an actor in it. Yeah. Uh, that, would be, that would be kind of interesting. That's like an honorable mention, I'll say. But yeah. Ryan Gosling, I feel like, is a little bit more uh, moldable, I would say. Yeah. Just a little bit more. Um, and then I'll, I'll pick an actress. Um, uh, maybe it's because I've been watching Brooklyn nine, nine so much. Oh, I like her. I think I know who you're picking. Yeah. Uh, Rosa, uh, yeah. Diaz, I, why can't, uh, Stephanie Beatrice. Yeah. Yeah. She's I kept thinking player. Melissa Fumero, but that's, uh, Amy, good um, pick. Stephanie Beatrice. I, she's, she's really adaptable. I don't think there are two characters that are more at odds with each other than Mirabelle from Encanto and Diaz from Brooklyn yeah. nine, nine. And she's but, great uh, in, uh, in the Heights as well. Oh, that's right. She's in the, she's in, in the Heights. In the heights yeah. Um, I, she could so easily be badass, uh, yeah, with, with just like a little bit of a soft side. Um, and Taika, I think could, could, get that from her those so. are three great picks uh i i like my picks too but i will admit those are three great picks i had brad pitt as one of them brad pitt is an underrated comedic actor if you've seen him in stuff like inglorious bastards or burn after reading you know the guy has the comedic sensibilities to just kill it so Megamind. I, yeah Megamind. i think the guy has a lot of comedic talent and i think taika is the right amount of improv slash fun 
that would just bring out a lot of the Brad Pitt and getting to see him work with such an interesting director. Uh, another guy, Michael Myers, hasn't had a hit in a while. Seems like the type of comedian that Michael Myers yeah. would like to work with. Yeah, a lot of improv, a lot of well. fun. I don't know if the styles did exactly you, uh, would miss. Speaking of Michael Myers, did you watch the Pentaveret? No. I, I watched the first episode. It was... I, I've heard it's fine. I'm, I'm, I was like, okay, that's an, yeah. I'm not... I heard you get it really quick. I heard you like you understand what it is after like 10 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I haven't watched that. Finally, this is an odd pick, but I was trying to think of somebody that I'm like, who is someone that like has the comedic sensibilities with a little bit of intensity, yet they've never like popped off in a way that I feel like they should or really could with their talent. And I was I was sitting there, I was like, there's an actress who I've seen who I quite like, but has very much been typecast into a certain role. And I first saw her in the 40-year-old version with Steve Carell. And then of course she kind of makes a name for herself, like as the stereotypical over-the-top intense coach in glee. But I think she has a lot more like to offer. And I think there's an intensity with her comedy. I think there's just a physical presence, just an ability to hit comedy with improv, all of it, all of it that just feels like it would lean really well to Taika's sensibilities. That's Jane Lynch. Jane Lynch. She's really talented, yet I've never seen her in something that I particularly love her in, like where she's the leading vehicle. Mm -hmm. So I think Taika could get a lot out of her. That'd be interesting to see. I'm kind of so imagining those... I'm kind of imagining Jane Lynch just in her battle suit from her character in Wreck It Ralph. <laughs> yeah. So those are my three uh picks. That's my great debate question. Branson, let's have yours and we can end the show. Okay. Who uh my great debate. If there was a a uh a god of hammers character who would be uh the god of hammers who would play the god of hammers is, is this even a question i <laughs> win play... i win this week you ready who would I'm play the god you. of hammers and what would be the the move set I, of this god of hammers i've won i've won the great debate this week it's the tool man himself tim allen <laughs> Oh, that's good. Tim the Toolman that's, that's, Taylor. Yeah, it's that's the only answer. It's the only answer I need. Yeah. I, I don't I don't even know if I need already it. Already exists. Yeah. He he he's Tim Allen. He uh, uh he can do the uh, That's his moveset. He just, just grunts that? and throws hammers. Just that. Yeah. That's it. That's my answer. Just, so just try beating grunts that. and throws hammers. So he's like yeah. So he's like Donkey Kong? Yeah. Just so yeah. Or like I, a I hammer bro. Yeah, I have Donkey Kong. So, uh, as Tim Tim Allen, so beat me. You've all the cards are on your table to beat me now. Nah, can't. I can't. I can't beat you. Tim, do you have any? Tim the Toolman Taylor. Tim Allen is is far too good. The only That's other one that I could think of would be Charles Martinet, uh, the voice of Mario. Not a bad answer. It's not Tim Allen. <laughs> yeah, it's not Tim Allen. It's not the Toolman. It's not Tim the Toolman Taylor. Tim yeah, Toolman that's Taylor. too good. That's too yeah. good. It's he's like, it's it's destiny. It's it is. It's like poetry. It rhymes. Yeah. And with that all said, 
Thank you guys for listening to Ben and Brand See a Movie this Thank week. Thank for humoring my worst. Yes. Uh, my worst great debate question ever. <laughs> with that all said, guys, we'll be back next week. Uh, I will either be with a co-host next week or I'll be doing it alone. Uh, I don't remember what movie's coming out next week, but it will probably be tied to that somehow. Branson, thank you for joining me on this show. Back to the really Shadow enjoyed- Prison for me. Yeah, really enjoyed talking Thor Ragnarok with you. Yes, guys, sir. like I said, if you like this video, make sure to like and subscribe to the channel and leave us stars. your reviews on Apple, on Spotify, whatever. All of it helps. Thank you guys for listening. My name is Ben Friedman here from Ben and Brand See a Movie Studios. Take care. Bye bye. Oh, you're not going to do your adios? Oh, adios. <laughs> <laughs> it's All right, been too long. Perfect.